tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we're speaking with Kristen Levine. Kristen is a nationally acclaimed pet expert and influencer with over 30 years of experience in the industry. She's helped millions of cat and dog parents provide best care at every stage of their pet's life. Her blog, Pet Living with Kristen Levine, has been featured on Pop Sugar, Good Housekeeping, New York Times, USA Today, and more. Her early work with the SPCA led her to a lifelong career in the pet industry, advocating for cat and dog adoption and rescue, as well as for pets and their parents here on her blog and in the media. She's frequently booked on satellite media tours and national shows like Fox and Friends, Good Morning America, and Daytime to talk about pet trends and new products. Insanely passionate about pets. Since she was a little girl, Kristen has had more than 30 pets in her lifetime, including cats, dogs, goats, donkeys, a horse, a gerbil, mice, and chickens. And today she lives in Florida with her cat, Olivia, dog, Tulip, and husband, Paul. Kristen, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Notice the order I put those in. <laughs> My poor husband. Perfect order. Perfect order. Uh, so on that line, you know, Kristen, how did you become passionate about cats? Oh my goodness. I think, I think it was two, two things that happened in my life. The first one was at age 13, we adopted our first cat. My mom and I used to visit a local pet store, just, you know, just to kind of go see what pets were there. And there was this cat that we kept seeing every time we'd visit, he was still there. And it got to the point where he was six months old and he was a gray tabby and the shop owner offered to to just give him to us. If we would, if we would give him a good home, because sadly he was no longer this cute, adorable little kitten and he couldn't sell him. So I just, I felt, we felt terrible for, for him. And so we took him home and, and that was when I first became a cat lover and just learned so much about cats because I'd only had dogs in the past. And then fast forward many years later, when I worked for the SPCA here in the Tampa Bay area, uh, I spent 15 years there promoting pet adoption. And, you know, I got to see all the different reasons why cats were being surrendered to the SPCA for, you know, reasons which I thought were just kind of crazy, you know, not getting along with the other cat or not using the litter box and all these behavioral reasons that had the pet owner just had access to the knowledge or, you know, know, knew where to find the appropriate resources, they wouldn't have had to surrender their cat. So I think those two instances made me just create a real soft spot in my heart for, for cats. So you had involvement working with the SPCA in Tampa. You got involved in animal welfare. You were sort of in this professional track working in a nonprofit mm-hmm. space, but then you moved into having a blog and going into sort of this media space, how did that evolution happen? Yeah, that's a really good question. What, what actually happened after my shelter years, which I spent 15 years there. And I mean, you've spent many years more than me working in the shelter environment and you know, it's, you know, they call it compassion fatigue. Sometimes it's just a very stressful environment to be in on a day-to-day basis. And I think I was looking for a way to stay in the animal field um, and to continue to support adoption and rescue. 
and animal welfare, you know, issues, but do something a little bit different. And so um, because my job at the shelter was to do PR for the shelter, I started a PR company for pet businesses. So that actually came next after my shelter experience. And, and that was a really terrific experience. I, you know, spent almost 20 years in that role, but probably 10 years into it, I started really missing that direct connection with the pet owner and helping them overcome problems and challenges. And that's why I started the blog. So, you know, I took a little detour from the shelter and then I kind of ended up getting sort of back to what I was doing before, which is pet parenting education and kind of tapping into all the amazing pet professionals that I've met over the years from veterinarians to trainers to groomers um, and just kind of using all of that knowledge and those those people to help me educate pet owners. So over the years, since you've been in the business for a long time, sorry to say that both of us have <laughs> <It's> been, <true. laughs> um, you know, how have things changed for cats in your mind? Oh my gosh. Uh, well, the internet came along. <laughs> I think the biggest change is that people have so many more resources today. They, you can learn virtually about how to care for community cats or your own cats. Back when I was at the shelter, I mean, people, you know, you were picking up the newspaper to read about things, or you had to go buy a book, or maybe you, you know, saw something on television. Um, if you happened to be watching at the right time, you know, there was no on demand. Um, so I, I think just the, the access to information has exploded. And, is, you know, sometimes that can be not so good, too, because all kinds of information are out there, not always the best information. But I think that's helped us to be more aware of more aware of where we can get help. And also, um, if if we're inclined to seek out help, rather than surrender a cat for, you know, behavior problems we're having, hopefully, you know, we get we get the help we need before we get to that point. So you've talked about people asking for information to get help. You know, what are some of the questions that you end up helping to answer via your blog? Yeah, the questions are kind of all over the map. But if I think about the most common questions or the most common categories, they always come down to behavior when it comes to cats. It's funny because when I was at the at the animal shelter back in the day, well, I'll say there was so much education about responsible pet ownership, and that centered around providing them the you know their basic necessities. Whereas now people are are just craving information about how to modify cat behavior. And I do my best to educate them that it's, it's, it's oftentimes more about modifying behavior or our reaction to the behavior and understanding that cats are not people. They're not dogs, they're cats. And we have to see things through their eyes and understand what their basic primal needs are in order to create an environment for them that is comfortable and doesn't elicit behaviors that we deem to be not appropriate. So that sounds like you talk about <laughs> enrichment a lot, right? Enrichment seems to be the theme that we hear a lot more. I mean, as we try to encourage more folks to keep their cats indoors, there's a level of obligation that we then take on at that mm -hmm. point in time, because then we have to provide a much higher level of enrichment for those cats that are indoors all the time versus those that go indoor, outdoor. And right. it sounds like, so you're talking about enrichment, you're talking about some stress issues that might happen mm -hmm. in the home, 
before we hit the recording, we were talking a bit about anxiety and cats mm-hmm. having, you know, anxiety issues in the home. And is that because they're indoor only? Is it because they're not getting sure. enough enrichment? You know, what are those reasons? And you've really wanted to bring anxiety as a sort of a hot topic going forward. I don't know if you want to share a little bit yeah. about your campaign oh, there. Yeah, I would, I would love to. It was probably almost six years ago that I started an effort to educate cat parents about fear, stress, and anxiety in cats and how it manifests itself in their behavior. Also, basically what I had done is since I had started the blog, I started kind of categorizing all the questions that I got both on the dog side and the cat side. And as we just were talking about a second ago, they always were heavily weighted to the behavior side. And oftentimes behavior that was a result of something that the cat or dog is fearful of or stressed about. And so I started Pet Anxiety Awareness Month back in 2017. And we always celebrated that month in June. And so what I would do is we we would create content throughout the year, but then we would really highlight it, promote it during the month of June. Uh, We would, you know, we would book interviews on podcasts and, um, you know, various digital media platforms, um, just to spread the word about how to identify stress symptoms in your cat. Because a lot of times, when cats are stressed or anxious, the the way that they act is not, we think it's a normal cat behavior. So for example, hiding under the bed or meowing excessively. And those are things that cats can do for different reasons. So we wouldn't always necessarily associate that with um, a stress response. And so basically we celebrated this awareness event for five years and we, we got some really great companies and media platforms to help us spread the word. And I can give you a little sneak peek about something that's happening this year, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm going to be partnering with a company that is completely dedicated to cat care and their well-being. And we're going to create a separate cat anxiety awareness event that'll happen in September. So you can still see all of those resources, all those articles on my pet anxiety awareness site, which is petanxietyawareness.com. But it's going to get even better as the months come along and we build out that cat specific event. So, you know, what are the tools that folks need to help address anxiety? Is it, is it just drugs? Is it just calming music? What, what are the things that you recommend <laughs> people use? Sure, sure. That's, that's a really great question. Because, you know, there could be so many ways to answer that question. <laughs> but I think, I think if we start from the standpoint of understanding that cats have unique needs as a cat, that they have a, an, in, their instinct is to hunt, to play, to sleep, to, you know, eat and not be, not be intimidated in their environment. And then understand that when you have multiple cats, you, you can very easily manage that if you understand that each cat needs to have kind of separate resources and the separate, separate areas of the home in which they feel safe and comfortable. And also uh, understanding that predictability and routine is really important in cats' lives and that they typically don't like change. Well, we don't like change either, <laughs> but cats like don't typically respond well to change. And so anytime you're having changes in your lifestyle, in your home, we have to approach those in a unique way for our cats. And, you know, just some simple tips, and, and these are all included in the resources that, that I share on the Pet Anxiety Awareness page, but it could be as simple as just to touch on litter boxes, because I know you, you don't do a show without litter box talk. Most of us in the cat world know that if you have 
three cats, you should have four litter boxes. But it's more than that. You have to consider the individual cat. Some cats don't like a hooded litter box. And that might be because it makes them feel trapped. Or maybe they can't see around the corner while they're in the box. They can't see what's coming toward them. So you really have to figure out for each cat that you have, what is their favorite type of litter box? Obviously keeping it clean and keeping it in an area where they feel safe coming and going from that box. You also want to make sure that each cat in your home has kind of their own private place to perch a little bit higher up so that they can see around the room. My, my cat happens to love our dresser. We have a I guess not a dresser, it's more of a chest of drawers. And she likes to sit up high up there at night so she can look down on, you know, my husband and I and our little dog. And um, in the past, when I've had multiple cats, I've noticed they never shared the same perch. So I just think you need to um, understand that they all have, they're all cats. So they all have the same basic needs, but they also have preferences as well. So that's just a couple of examples of, um, you know, some of the, resources that you should provide to your cat to make them feel comfortable and safe in your home. So a line that I pulled out, um, you may have seen me just scribbling it on, uh-huh. on paper here, which is you just said, you know, you have to figure out, you have to figure <laughs> out. And it seems like we have that we, with our indoor cats, we're trying to figure out why they're doing this or why they're doing that with our colony cats or the cat, mm-hmm. the community cats that we're feeding we're having to figure out, you know, are they injured? Are they stray? Do they need to be, you know, brought in? Do they need to be rescued? Do they need to be TNR'd? We're always mm. trying to figure cats out. Do cats feel like we should be figuring them out? <laughs> oh, that's such a good question. They probably think we're silly and we're, or we're stupid or something. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, I, I think we... We probably overthink it sometimes. And it's, it's sometimes it's a, just a matter of trying different things to see what gets what the cat seems to prefer, or what what eliminates the behavior that we're that we're trying to eliminate. Yeah, that's a tough question. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people look no further than Maddie's pet forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum, come for an answer, stay for the community. Could your animal welfare organization use a tune-up? Humane Network can help. You can get a free 30-minute consultation to talk through your challenges and get ideas on how your organization can be more successful with less stress. From board development and fundraising to strategic planning and operations, Humane Network has got you covered. Whether you're a large or small, nonprofit or government, it's a live and thriving program led by a certified animal behavior consultant features specially designed training for shelter and clinic staff on enrichment, stress reduction, safe animal handling, and behavior modification. With Humane Network, you receive individualized advice and support customized to meet your organization's unique needs. And Humane Network can lighten your load by taking on fundraising, communications, and other tasks you struggle with. Contact Humane Network today for a free 30-minute consultation. Visit humanenetwork.org. That's humanenetwork.org.
Team Dubert is at it again, and now they have an amazing companion case management module that once again revolutionizes how you rescue animals. Dubert partnered with Dallas Pets Alive and the Spay Neuter Network to build a powerful solution that allows you to manage cases of any kind. Whether owner surrender calls or emails, community cat tracking and reporting, Dubert is the only system that integrates two-way text messaging, automatic follow-ups, and even a rehoming solution that every organization can use. No more trying to manage 10 different technologies when everything is all in one place and tightly integrated. From fostering to transport, fundraising to e-commerce, supply and demand to case management, Dubert has everything you need to streamline your operations so you can focus on saving more animals. Check out the new companion case management module at www.dubert.com CCM and get signed up today. I think that we try too hard. I agree with you. I think we overthink it. I think we're afraid of failure. And I think so much of our relationship with cats, indoor and outdoor involves trial and error. So yes, Mm -hmm. maybe we do trap a cat. We bring the cat in to see if the cat Mm -hmm. will adapt in our household or will adapt in a certain environment. And then we realize that it may not be the best option for that cat. It's okay. It's okay to rewind and start at the beginning again and reform the the bond that way. So I think we need to be more forgiving of ourselves as volunteers, as caregivers, as guardians, as feeders. I think we Mm -hmm. have to be more flexible and less judgmental. Um, And I don't know if it comes from a dog world to a cat world, but we have a lot less control, I think, in the cat world than we may in the dog world, or our solutions may be different in the cat world than the dog world. You swing in both. How are mm-hmm. these two worlds different to you? Sure. That's a great question. And I, and I do, I do think you're so right, Stacey, we're so afraid to fail, especially those of us that are in this, that are in the cat world, whether it's um, community cats or shelter cats, or just trying to be a better, you know, cat parent at home. We know what failure looks like and what failure can mean for a cat. And we're so afraid of that to happen, but we, we can only do our best. As far as dogs and cats, dogs are a little bit easier to figure out when we talk about figuring out species they're a little easier to figure out they kind of wear their heart on their sleeve (laughs) you know they you know you can tell immediately what makes them happy they're easier to train they're they're easier to confine and easier to control so I think that's why we have an easier time with dogs Um, we certainly have you know our you know problems there as well but especially when it comes to behavior but I, I think with cats might actually, when it comes to behavior, it might be easier to figure out how to solve some of those issues. And, and there, sometimes there are worse consequences to dog, to negative dog behavior or dangerous than some negative cat behavior. Obviously there's dozens of different behaviors we're talking about, but yeah, dogs easier to figure out. Cats are probably easier than we think to figure out. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> The puzzle gets deeper and deeper for sure. So over the last, oh, I'd say, you know, in my mind, about five years or so, there's been a concept about fear-free out there, Mm -hmm. fear-free veterinary practices, fear-free shelters, sort of this fear-free movement. And I was just curious what your thoughts are sort of about that, as well as a thought about, you know, things like uh, feline-only veterinary practices, mm-hmm. feline, very specializing programs that are just for cats only. You know, mm-hmm. what's been your experience in those areas? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm actually on the uh, Fear-Free Advisory Group or in the group 
we meet about twice a year and I, I'm delighted to be a part of it. I've learned so much from, from being in the group with so many amazing experts, veterinarians, and, and they're, they're creating new programs all the time. Now they have programs for shelters and programs for, you know, pet service facilities. It's not just about the veterinary hospital anymore. And they have programs for home. I think that it's, it's been a long time coming and it's, it's really quite brilliant. I only take my cat to a cat only veterinarian now since I started in the fear free group. It was something I always knew in the back of my mind that made better sense to me, but it, you know, I finally took that step and it's, it's a much better experience now. And I think that um, if people, one thing that's really interesting is the, the lessons that they're now teaching for people for their, for your homes. You know, how you can reduce stress in your home. It might be the way furniture is arranged. It might be a color. It might be music that you play. It might be that you give your dog free room of the house, but the cat, you know, prefers to have, you know, their own safe space. And it's all, you know, whenever I read a new module um, from the fear-free group, I always come away thinking, you know, it makes so much sense, but, you know, I don't know why we don't think of it before. <laughs> Sometimes that, that, I guess that's kind of getting back to what I was saying is it's, it's a little bit easier than we think. I think we just have to open our minds and stop thinking about what we might have learned as kids or from previous, previous experiences and just kind of take in this new information, give it a try. And like you said, it's not going to work for every pet, but you'll find things that do work to alleviate stress and fear. So in your past life, uh, you've had some experience with uh, doing PR work in the rescue world and for, and for, you know, other animal organizations, if you were volunteering or working with a relatively small organization, a lot of our listeners are either working for themselves, they're just trying mm -hmm. to help cats in the backyard or else working with a very small nonprofit organization, if you were going to do or assist them with PR or give them some tips on PR public relations and, mm -hmm. and how to get the word out. What would your advice be? Yeah, that's a really good question. You have such great questions, Stacey. So I, well, what I would first say is that when I did PR at the SPCA, I did not go to school for communications or public relations. I just kind of figured it out and you can figure it out too. It's not rocket science. I would say that you need to have a clear message and that you can simply pick up the phone. And if we're talking about more traditional types of media, like tell it your local your news station or morning show or your local community newspaper, you can just right there, pick up the phone or you can easily find the email addresses on their websites, how to get hold of them. Uh, typically it's a news director or a, um, an editor that you can reach out to initially to kind of state the, the case for what, what message you're trying to share with their audience. And you always want to position it for how will your audience benefit from this. It can't be self, can't sound self-serving. It has to help their audience get some kind of nugget or benefit from it or something their audience will find interesting. Those are, those are just a couple of, of tips. And one thing that we didn't have back when I was doing PR for the SPCA is there was no such thing as influencers. And now we have gazillions of influencers on social media. And really anybody can be an influencer. You don't have to have thousands or millions of followers. But if if you can identify people in your community that 
are known for their love of, you know, community cats or, you know, rescuing animals or wh whatever that topic is, they are an influencer. And the people that are following them follow them because they are interested in what they do. And so you don't even have to go to the local news station or newspaper. You can just find a handful of those social media influencers in your area and see if, if they align with your with what you're trying to accomplish and see if they'll help you out. And oftentimes they will. So don't be shy. Don't be shy. <laughs> We're talking about cats here. You know, it's that that is one thing that that is I, I think a little bit easier to do PR for a cause, an animal cause, or really any, you know, any great cause, as opposed to some, you know, corporate boring type of topic that you're trying to get public publicity for. So uh, Kristen, if folks are interested in finding out more about the work that you're doing and your the awareness month and those details, how would they do that? Sure. They can visit my blog, which is kristenlevine.com, or you can just Google pet living and it, it comes right up at the top. If you're specifically interested in the resources uh, that I have around fear, anxiety, and stress for cats, as well as some great books to read and some videos uh, video interviews with some really great cat experts, you can go to petanxietyawareness.com. And uh, like I said earlier, I gave a little teaser that come September, we're going to have a really great cat anxiety event to um, that's going to really allow us to reach a broader audience with some really great resources. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> Excellent. We'll make sure we get that in our e-news too, that we send out oh, to awesome. everybody too. So we'll make sure we'll do that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Oh my gosh. I want to thank you for the work that you do, Stacey. I, I was on your website earlier, just super impressed with all the virtual events that you, that you put together. And I'm interested in attending a couple of them. I would just tell everybody that's listening to pat themselves on the back for the great work they're doing. I know it's hard work and sometimes it feels like a thankless job. And sometimes we feel like we're failing, but um, just keep doing what you're doing. We're all learning together. We're all getting better together. Excellent. Kristen, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on our show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Oh, I would love that. Thank you, Stacey. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.